Oh, there we go. Start over. Good to be here tonight. <laughs> Went ahead to Alaska January 23rd. And, um, we're, we're working on getting everything ready to go. The guys find out from Alaska to drive with me. And uh, we're excited ready to get there. Uh, back in October, September, we uh, flew up to Alaska and did some deputation there, some on the road system churches there that support home missions there in Alaska. And got to visit a lot of those. And I picked up some support there. Uh, met a lot of contacts that will be a blessing to us in the future. And uh, we've had folks. Um, just already try to be a blessing to us there and make plans to be a blessing in the future. And it's a big help to have somebody there. I mean, y'all know y'all helping us here, but have somebody there close by that can just lend a hand. It's important, and I'm thankful for those folks. Uh, we went to Cordova and be there about a week, and my family, my wife and kids got to see the place for the first time, and I got to experience the first snow, the first snow of the year they had there, and uh, they weren't prepared for it, so it was, it was a good one, and uh, we got to be there. Uh, we signed a lease on a place to live. Uh, we're paying rent now, paid a couple weeks ago. We're ready to get there. Big, really because of that, but I'm ready to get there, and um, everything, everything's ready for us there. Um, the church that was there in the past, several years back, that we talked to you all about that before, it's closed down, but um, the pews and the pulpit and everything, I got to look at all that stuff, and I, I'm renting a container there, just waiting, sitting there in the rain, waiting for us to get there, and there's pews and a pulpit and a desk and chairs, and there's everything you can, church furniture you can need, and it's there waiting for us. Um, looking at several different buildings. I can't remember what all I mentioned last time we were here, but uh, the bookstore there in town, that's still a possibility. I talked to the land the guy that owns the place there, and uh, he's hoping to be out in January himself. He wants to do some, um, he wants to do some refurbishing there of the building, and they rent it out, hopefully. So that, that may be an option. Uh, that's right beside the liquor store. It's a pretty good place for church. Um, our landlord's renting us a place to live. Uh, he, he owns half the town pretty much, and uh, he, he has another building he's looking to buy, and uh, it's the top, top floor is a bank. The bottom floor is an, uh, used to be a bar, empty bar. So as everything in there it looks like a bar, but it's closed down. And he said, he told me, he said, that'd be perfect. You put, take a, turn a bar into a church. And, uh, the lost man told me that. So I, I believe we've got big plans for that place. And I, I don't know what all they are. And um, I'd be lying if I told you I, I got everything all planned out because we're trying our best to be faithful. Let the Lord do his work. And he said, I'll build my church. Uh, I'm not going to build my church and let him build, build his church and try to do our part. And um, I believe he's got big plans there. And, um, it's going to take some time. There's a lot. Mentioned this before, a lot of religion there in town. Everything you can imagine, Episcopalian and Mormon and Catholic and Russian Orthodox and so on and so on and so on. And um, There's a lot of folks that just have fed, got fed up with religion. A lot of hypocrisy amongst all those, as you can imagine. Uh, it's going to take some time. And, uh, it's going to need some prayer. And, uh, we should pray for us there. We're excited. Uh, we got to have our first Bible study while we're there in town. One man's looking for us to get there. He came to our, to our house and got to have Bible study with him. And it's exciting. He's excited for us to get there. He's got several folks he's working with. Uh, he's already told them about us coming, and they want to come to the church whenever we get, get there and get set up. And um, I believe we've got big plans. Anyway, thank you, church, for praying for us. Thank you for your support. Luke chapter 2 tonight. Luke chapter number 2. To be honest with you, I try my best to not go to Luke chapter number 2. Uh, you probably hear tons of messages this time of year on this. Um, the Lord won't let me get away from it, though. This is where I'm going to be. If you could probably quote this to me here, but I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. It's in verse number 8. Just going back to verse number 1, might as well, since we're here. Luke chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all, should be ta- all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, a city of Nazareth, into Judea. And the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. And they were in the same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch with their flock by night. And lo, the angel Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swelling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angel had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which is told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which are told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Pastor, would you help us up in prayer tonight? Appreciate Pastor Stamper scheduling us to be here. Enjoy being here tonight. Thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate his opportunity and the friendship, but I'm nervous tonight, to be honest with you. Uh, he told me I didn't know who, who all would show up. I didn't know if he's, he said he's going to invite some people. So it could be a good thing. Could be a, I don't know who's going to show up. So I've been nervous looking forward to this meeting and praying. And, Lord, what in the world can I say? If others pastors show up, well, what am I supposed to say? And I have them, most of them here supporting pastors. I mess everything up real quick and get myself in trouble. So we've been praying about what to bring you. And I began, really began to pray and seek the Lord's face. And what we do every time we preach, just, just nerve, burdened about what to preach tonight. And, of course, folks that may be traveling for quite some ways, I mean, you want to make sure you have something to give to them. You always want to do that. But the people traveling, some, you, some pressure to make sure you have something. And praying, Lord, what in the world can I say? And so he gave me this passage here. And I said, Lord, anywhere but that passage there. And uh, he wanted me to get away from this passage here. This is about the simplest message you're going to hear on Christmas, about some of his messages you can preach here. I'm just going to give you the Bible tonight. It's all, all, I can, all I know to do, Amen. only thing I can do, so I'm just going just to stick with that. It's just the Bible. That's all I know to do anyway. He won't give me away from it anyway. Up there in Craig a few years ago, I did a study there at Christmas time, a series on characters of Christmas. And I looked through a lot of different characters, a lot of unknown, not very well-known characters, different ones. And the shepherds were one of them I looked at there and it's on my, what's on my heart tonight. Had me get away from it this week. This evening, I'm going to focus here on these shepherds. What is it about these shepherds? They're only mentioned here in the book of Luke in the Christmas story. But they play a pretty vital role here in the story, part of the nativity. It's pretty powerful what happened to them and what, what took place. It's very important. But why shepherds? 
Of all the people the angels could have appeared to and told them that Christ, the King of Kings, was born, they went to the shepherds. So who were these shepherds? Why, why the shepherds? Were, were they important to the family? Or were they important to the were they notable people in the community? We'll get to that. Other than Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth, these men were the first to get to tell about Jesus and the first to be told who he was and that he was born. Out of all the people there, why these men? I've pondered on that for a long time. and I've read theory after theory after theory from different men about why the shepherds, and they all have different opinions on it. And I'm just going to give you stick. I told you to stick with the Word of God. So that's all I, all I can do is stick with the Bible tonight. We could get off in theory, and we could look at practical applications and things, and Jewish history and all, all those sorts of things, and maybe surprise you, maybe do some of those things tonight. I'm not looking just to wow you tonight. That's not what I'm here to do. A lot of things you can read about these shepherds, a lot of, a lot of pretty powerful-sounding things. Not one of them I can prove. A lot of theories, a lot of stories, but the Bible does, doesn't give us very much at all about these shepherds. But Luke makes sure to write down about these shepherds. The Bible tells us a little bit. I'm just going to stick with what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? A friend of mine, y'all says, well, Chris Huey says, just give me, tell me what the book says. That's what I'm going to tell you tonight. Lord, so I'm going to try my best just to look at this, these characters of Christmas and look at these shepherds. Not much written about them. First, what do we not know about these shepherds? There's a lot of things you could write down what we don't know about them. I wrote down three things here. Number one, we don't know their names. We have no way to identify these men other than the fact that they are the shepherds mentioned in Luke chapter number two. That's the only identification we have for these shepherds. The only reason we can say they are men, because in biblical times, the job of a shepherd, as far as scripture is concerned, is the job of a man. No female shepherds mentioned, so we can assume they're men. The only thing we know is they're shepherds. So we don't know anything, we don't know their names, we can't identify them other than those shepherds mentioned in Luke chapter number 2. We don't know their background. We don't know what got them into this profession. We don't know if it's a, it's a family business. It could have been. It's believed in that day the shepherds were considered the outcasts of the community. They considered the lowest of the low there in town. Nobody wanted anything to do with a shepherd. Basically considered criminal, just, just outcasts. They were dirty, low men of the community. We don't know what got these men into this profession. Was it, there, was it by choice? That's very possible. Or was it because they were born to the family of shepherds? That's very possible, very likely. Was it something they did and that this is all they had left to do? The only job they could get was just being a shepherd. That's very possible. We don't know their success. It doesn't tell us anywhere anything else about these shepherds. We don't know if they were good shepherds. We don't know if they were successful. We don't know if they had a family back at home they were taken care of. We don't know if they just lived with these sheep 24 we, we don't know anything about the life of these shepherds. Other than the fact that they are shepherds, and then the rest of the story mentioned here in these passages. You know, that's really how it ought to be with us. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. There are, there are many wealthy men in the Bible that God used. There's nothing wrong with being wise and, and having a prominent position in community. Nothing wrong with all those things. You look at King David, a pretty prominent position. God can use those men. But the focus of your life ought not be on you and what you have done or what you can do. It ought just be on when you met Jesus, what you, when you heard about Jesus and what you did after that. Amen. We can stop right there because I really think that's the message here tonight. Is the focus of your life. What is the focus of your life? Is the focus of your life on you? Or is it on when you met Jesus and what you did about it? Church, if the focus of your life is on anything other than meeting Jesus and telling other people about Jesus, then your life's out of focus. That's really the only thing that matters. Another friend of mine, Chris Simpson, friend of y'all's as well, and he's been to meeting there. He, he wrote this today, I saw it. He said, your Facebook posts say that you love Jesus. 
your calendar, your checkbook, say it was true. There's a lot of truth in it. You can act like it, but is Jesus really the priority of your life? You can act like he is. Where's your focus tonight? We don't know anything about these shepherds, and the fact of the matter is we don't need to know anything else about these shepherds. We heard the most important part of their life right here when they heard about Jesus and how they responded to it. Number one, we see their position. Verse number eight. And they were in the same country, shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. We see their position. They're just shepherds. And they're abiding in the field. They're keeping a watch. You can study about more about that back in Psalm chapter 23. But in the warmer months of the year, the shepherds, from what I've studied, they would take their sheep out into the fields, and they would live with their sheep out in the fields in that high country, those tablelands. Psalm 23 talks about that, where that, where that rich grass would grow. They would go out in there until, the, until October, November, and they in our months, and then come back home to the home field and put their sheep there to pasture. Another reason Christmas, Jesus' birth, probably not December, but that's a different message for another day. So during this time, these shepherds are out in the field. We know that because it says they're keeping watch of their flock by night. They're out in the field with these sheep at night. I'm keeping a watch. Pretty simple stuff, just what the Bible is saying here. Well, think, of this for, think about this for a minute. These shepherds, they, they left their comfort and the safety of their home. We have to assume they have a home. They left the comfort and the safety of their home to go out into the fields with these lions and wolves in order to spend time with and care for the sheep. The shepherds laid aside their human dignity to sleep in a be- dignity to sleep in a bed and eat at a table just to go be with a bunch of nasty, dirty sheep. They're going to smell like sheep. They're going to be in the middle of the field, of the field with the sheep. Why would they do that? Just to be with the sheep. It's the only reason. Isn't it quite interesting how heaven came down to tell these shepherds about another shepherd that was going to be born that night, another shepherd who was, a, who was also a lamb, and another shepherd that left the dignity of his heavenly home and the throne, the heavenly home, to go down to, to earth with the lions and the wolves and the sin and the filth. He's going to be surrounded with the filth of the field. He's going to be, and one day he's going to take on the filth on himself when it wasn't his to begin with. Why would he do that? Just to be near the sheep. Just to get close to the sheep and give the sheep a way of escape. These shepherds, they spend time with their sheep. They're, they're with them during these months, day in and day out, day, morning and night, noon, all, all the time. These sheep come to trust these shepherds. Sheep are very timid animals. They're very cautious creatures. They become an ease when the presence of the shepherd. Why would they do that? Because they know the shepherd and they're known by the shepherd. These earthly shepherds, they, they come to be seen by the flock. It's just part of the flock. They're just they're they're there all the time. When in reality, the shepherd's so much more, so much higher, and they're more capable. And really, the sheep should be fearful of the shepherd because of the power he has over them. Jesus came to earth to be with the sheep, to become one of the sheep, if you will, for just a short time, so we can be close to him. These, she- these shepherds are they're subjected to every trouble the sheep have. The cold temperatures, the shepherd feels it. The hot temperatures, the shepherd's there with, those, with them as well. The rain and the wind and the bugs. and the, the shepherd feels all those things just like the sheep do. Why would he do that? To be with the sheep. Hebrews 4.14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but is in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We have a shepherd he came to our field. He felt the rain and the wind and the cold and the heat. Surrounded by the temptations and the sin. He came just to be with us dirty sheep. If anyone understands the significance of that, and be a shepherd out in the field with his sheep. Why did the angels appear to the shepherds? 
In my mind, for one, they'd understand what was going on. They could see the resemblance. Jesus came to earth. The king of kings came to earth. And the angels didn't appear to a king. The angels didn't appear to the priests in the temple. They went to the shepherds. Because Jesus came as a lamb. Came to seek and save that which was lost. Came to call the lowly sinners to repentance, the gospel says. The second, the second king Herod heard about Jesus. He's ready to kill him. But the shepherds, they heard about Jesus. They had a completely different attitude about what had happened. The angels appeared to the lowest of the low because the lamb that had come was for everybody. Even the lowest of the town, even the lowly shepherds, Jesus came for them just as much as he came for the kings, just as much as he came for the priests, he came for the shepherds. Let's see their position. They aren't much in the world's eyes. They ain't holding high positions, just a bunch of dirty shepherds, just humble shepherds that would be amazed at somebody like Jesus coming and being born in a feeding trough. He didn't come on a robe and in a robe on a white horse, although one day he'll come that way. But he came as a lowly sacrificial lamb. And the angels told the shepherds. They came to these nobody shepherds. Just a bunch of nobodies were told about some who were told about somebody who's everything. We see their, we see their, their position, we see their good tidings. Verse number nine. And lo, the angel Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped with swelling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What did the angels do? They gave the shepherds the good tidings. Look at that verse 10. I bring you good tidings of great joy. It should be to all people. That good tidings, that phrase good tidings, it means to announce with good news, especially the gospel, to evangelize. It means they preach the gospel to a bunch of shepherds. The angels said, fear not, I bring you the gospel, the good tidings, the great joy, which shall be to all people. What about that? The angels came to preach the gospel to a bunch of lowly old shepherds out in the field about a lamb that had come to save everybody. Sounds pretty familiar, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The first message preached after Jesus was born was the gospel to a bunch of lowly, dirty shepherds. They said, this should be a sign unto you. You should find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Many commentaries, again, get all caught up in the weeds on that and some say the swelling clothes is a sign of, is a sign of them, and it's something to do with the shepherds wrapping up a newborn sheep, and some talk about being grave clothes, and it's a picture of the future of Jesus, and that very well could be. And all those things are good, and you can preach on those and get, go excited about those things. I'm just a nobody. I'm not the brightest bulb, in the, but I can't prove any of that to you. Is it true? Maybe. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. Those swelling clothes, from what I can find, even in history, this, it's just normal to wrap a baby up with. Also normally used a grave, also normally used for a sheep. It's just, it's just swaddling clothes. The sign for these shepherds is this. They're just looking for a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. It's not complicated. The shepherds don't know what Jesus looks like. They just know that the Savior is born in the city of David, and they want to go see him. So the angel tells them, you, you'll know it's him if you see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. I dare say that Jesus is probably the only baby that night, newborn baby that night, wrapped up in swaddling clothes, lying in a feeding trough. Probably the only one in Bethlehem on that night. And that just solidified more the minds of these shepherds, the truth they've heard from these angels. How the angels know about that? Because they were sent to tell the shepherds about that. 
And don't forget, this is this time of spiritual silence here in Israel. Other than Zechariah, Mary, and Joseph, God has not spoken to Israel in 400 years. And now out of nowhere, a group of angels appear, give the gospel to a bunch of dirty, nobody shepherds, and they start to sing and praise God in the middle of nowhere out in the field. Something special happened that night. And you're singing the ordinary song. It said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. God gets the glory in the highest. He ought to get the glory in the lowest. He's peace and goodwill toward men. That's what he's come to do. What a baby. Not just a baby. What a savior. This is Jesus. Now the shepherds know about him. They've been preached to. The good times have been preached to them. We see their decision. Verse number 15. And came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The angels left. Shepherds turned to each other and said, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. They turned and said, what, what, Let's go see. Let's now go even Let's go see this man, this Jesus that has been born. Notice what else says. It says, Which the Lord hath made known unto us. How do they know that? There's just something different about that message. They knew this was a message from God to them, and they took it, and they believed it, and they went to go find Jesus. It's a picture of salvation right there in the Christmas story. They heard the gospel preached unto them by the angels. They accepted it. They turned and followed after Jesus. You say, if I had a group of angels appear to me in the middle of the field, I'd believe it too. Luke 16, 28, it says, For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to them, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father, if one went, from, went, went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said, if they hear not most in the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rose from the dead. You can't say if an angel appears to me, I, I repent and believe. If you don't believe the Bible, you're not going to believe anything else. You might do something out of fear, but you're not going to believe it. You have the Bible. We, we have the instructions we need. We have everything we need to know about this, what we need to know. We have the Bible. You're going to listen to it or not. The gospel preached to a bunch of shepherds. They just believed that it was a message from the Lord, and they went to go find Jesus. What are we waiting for? If you're waiting for, are you waiting for a group of angels to drop out of heaven and tell you you need to get saved? It's not going to happen. The next supernatural occurrence we're waiting for is the rapture of the church. and It's going to be a little bit too late at that point. See so their decision. They said, let's get up and go see what this is all about. Now, they said. What are you going to do about it? Are you saved this evening? I understand it's Thursday night. Are you saved this evening? If not, it's about time you get that settled. What are you waiting for? Say, come on, preacher, preach on something else. Like I preach tell, people tell us that before. If you're saved, you won't mind preaching on the gospel. Amen. The shepherds accepted it, they believed it, and they went following after Jesus. We're trying to get as close to Jesus as they could possibly get. And they found him. Right there, angels told him, lying in a manger. Shepherds probably pretty familiar with that kind of atmosphere. We see their decision, we see their message, verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What happened? The shepherds became the first evangelists, first missionaries, if you will. They saw Jesus, just couldn't, get, couldn't, quit, couldn't keep quiet about it, had to tell somebody else about it. They heard from the angels, they had to go see, they saw, and they just had to go tell somebody else. They immediately became the first to get to go share that Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior, was born in Bethlehem. 
He didn't come as a king. He came as a lamb born in a, in a trough. Came as a baby born in a manger. Came the lowest of the low. Even told the shepherds. And now they're spreading the gospel. That's good news for us. For us nobody, us lowly sinners. He can use a nobody to spread the gospel. These nobodies heard about somebody who was everything. And had to go tell everybody they could. He came, and the shepherds got to hear, and the shepherds got to spread the good news. Church, here's, the, here's our example. This is all we need right here. You hear the gospel preached. You respond to it. You follow after Jesus. You tell everybody you can about him. That's what we're here for. That's the only reason we're still here. Pretty simple, really. We make it very complicated. It's very simple. The gospel's not supposed to be complicated. Hear, respond, and then share. See, the Great Commission, before he gave the Great Commission, as soon as the shepherds saw Jesus, they go tell everybody they could. What are we waiting for? It's about time we get busy. Shepherds didn't waste any time. I'm burdened. I'm told you I'm ready to get to Cordova. We're burdened about Cordova. Ready to get to work there. I'm burdened about our country here. We got we to we get busy. Church, if we don't get busy telling others about the shepherd, the spotless lamb has come, who's going? The Mormons are busy about it, busier than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Jehovah's Witnesses are busy, busier than I've ever seen before. The only thing that's going to make a difference is somebody that will care and go tell somebody else that the shepherd, the Savior, has been born. Jesus is the answer. No matter the question, he, he's the answer. He's what, he's what they need. I can't answer this for you, but I, I know tonight, 100%, I'm safe. I know that without a doubt. You shouldn't have doubt either, but what are we waiting for? We saved, get busy. You see the shepherd's message. They saw him, they just went and told everybody they could. They said, what if they won't listen to me? It's okay, even the shepherds had some that wouldn't listen to them. It says, and all that heard it wondered at those things. They just said, well, that's, that's, that's a crazy story. They wondered at those things. Nobody believed it but one. It made a difference for Mary. She got to see some shepherds that she's never met before as far as I know Come out of nowhere and give praise to her newborn baby and go telling everybody they could that he was born there in Bethlehem, the Savior of the world. It made a difference. She pondered them in her, pondered them in her heart. It made a difference to her. You just go. You might not reach everybody. I'm going to say you're not going to reach everybody. But there may be one that just sticks in the changes their life, changes their heart. They pondered it in their heart. Will you go? It made a difference for one. You see their praise, verse number 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And that's the last we hear about the life of these shepherds. Something changed on the heart of these shepherds. They weren't like the disciples. They didn't leave their nets and follow after Jesus. Jesus' ministry not started yet. We know that. These shepherds, it says they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. They just went back to the sheep. Not everybody can go off and be missionary in Alaska. Doesn't mean you shouldn't. Maybe the Lord call you, y'all come help us. But not everybody can. Some, some stay home with the sheep. If everybody went to the mission field, there'd be no church to send missionaries. But don't use that as an excuse to not go to the mission field. The shepherds are still shepherds after meeting Jesus. But now the shepherds have shared abroad about Jesus and they glorified and praised God for what they had seen and what they had heard. And now the shepherds are on glory, they're, they're on fire for what they've heard and seen, and they just went back to the field with the rest of the sheep and probably some more shepherds. They became shepherds 
with a heart for they, they've seen God do some things. The shepherds on fire for God. Can I say that we need, we need some men and ladies that just go about their lives and just, just let the Lord change your life and go just do something for the Lord. We need some city workers on fire. We need some teachers and carpenters, whatever you're doing. Just go do something for the Lord where he's got you at. We need some folks that are just on fire for God, busy for God, busy about God's work in the middle of their life. The shepherds returned to being a shepherd. I can promise you they never forgot about what they saw on that night. Shepherds are still shepherds. They had a heart change. They had an attitude change. I wonder what impact they had after the, on those around them after that. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us the rest of their lives. You meet Jesus, it's, it's going to change your life. Something changed in their heart. They truly believed they had heard from the Lord and they had met the Son of God there that night. You can't do that and not have a heart change, not let it change your life. They're not glorifying and praising God for what they, what they have seen. You see their praise. They heard, they responded, they saw Jesus, they shared, and now they're just praising Him, just going on and just praising Him. Something changed inside their hearts. Took it back to the field with them. And that's it. That's all we know about the shepherds. Luke is the only one to tell us anything about those shepherds. Come back to my introduction here. The only thing we know about these shepherds is when they heard the gospel and what they did with it. Church, that's really all that matters. There's a lot to this life. We have family and wives and husbands and children and jobs and mortgages and all those things. And I understand there's a lot to this life, I understand. But what really matters is when we hear about Jesus and what we do after that. What's worth writing down in the Bible is when they heard about Jesus and what they did. What changed their life is when they heard about Jesus and what they did after that. What really matters in this life is just hearing about and hearing the gospel and how you respond to it and what you do after you respond to it. It ought to be the focus of our life. If he's on our focus and our life's out of focus, he's really all that matters, church. It's easy to say, and here in church we'd all agree to that. And you are, amen, we all, we all agree to that. But deep down in our heart, have we settled that? Glorifying God is really all that matters. That's an easy thing to say. That can become a hard thing to live. No matter if man likes it or not, no matter if the congregation enjoyed your sermon or not, no matter if the only one that ever mentions you is the author of Luke, he didn't even write down what your name was. Would that bother you if you were a shepherd? We heard about the Son of God, and Luke's the only one that mentioned us. He just calls us the shepherds. We probably get mad about that. That was the bulletin. We get, we get mad about that. All I know about me is a time when I heard about Jesus, and when I met him, when I told other people about him. Would that be okay with you? It's all about him. My life ought to be all, all about him. It's easy to make it about ourselves. It's human nature to make it about ourselves. The world will tell you to make it about yourself. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. Majority we hear of the life of these shepherds, the only thing we hear is Jesus. Life of these shepherds that we have recorded, the whole thing centers, revolves around Jesus. Will that be said about you? The majority of your life just centers on Jesus. It's up to you. It's your decision to make. 
The shepherds had a decision to, to believe what they saw and follow it or not. They, they, they had the decision to go share it about it or not. It's up to you. What's your life focused on? 